So, um, Alyssa, welcome to the Cultcast, where we talk to wine drinkers, wine slingers, wine makers, and wine growers. Um, now, you are the unstoppable force or guiding light, um, depending on how you look at it, behind Budburst, which is a, a natural wine festival, which we're holding in, um, which you're holding, sorry, um, we're helping you hold, hopefully, yes. um, in November this year. Yes. Yeah, so um, what, like, we'll start with the real basic stuff. I know that you know that I know yeah, 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 what yeah. Budburst is, um, because we're a sponsor, but, like, what is Budburst? Sure. Um, so Budburst is New Zealand's one and only natural wine festival. Um, so we bring together natural wine producers from around New Zealand, but also from around the world, um, and we bring them together with the wine lovers. Uh, we try our darndest to make sure it's not a uh, like a trade show. Um, we want it to be more about conversation and community and connection. Those are kind of some of our guiding principles. We also have uh, local food, so we've got Egmont Street Eatery this year. We've got live music. We've got pop-up bars. We're going to have the Swaff uh, Bar from Wine Sentience is going to be there. We've got a whole bunch of uh, education discussions. Um, so somewhat like a, a master class, but probably not quite as intimidating. Um, we've got uh, Jane Skilton MW coming down as one of our keynote speakers, which is super exciting. Yeah, it's all happening in one day on Sunday, the eleventh of November. Cool. And so, Budburst, this is the second Budburst? This is the second Budburst. So the um, first one was in 2016. And what is going to be changing since since then for people who did come or heard about it? Or Yeah. Um, I mean, we're not changing a whole lot because the, the recipe from 2016 really did work. Um, some of the things that we're changing, we've changed venues. So, in 2016, we're at Prefab. This year, we're across the Boat Shed and Rowing Club. <laughs> Uh, on the Wellington waterfront. Uh, we needed a bigger venue, we needed uh, more space, and we needed something that allowed us to hold our education discussions without being disturbed by the, the kind of... Um, the party. The party, yes, the party. Now, obviously, this is like a touchy subject for a lot of people. How are you defining quote-unquote natural wine for Budburst, or or are you not, and just saying that 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 there are certain things that that Budburst want out of out of wine? Yeah. So our our natural definition is actually um, our technical standards that we have for the festival. So what the wine. But that's is, not a definition of natural wine per se. No. That's a definition of what you expect from the at, from the producers at Budburst. You're not saying that unless wines make these specifications they're they're not natural or are you no um so i mean yeah it is it is a touchy one and it's a it's a tough one so we but i guess what i'm saying is is budburst trying to define what natural wine is no, no, I'm going to say no to that one. Um, I think it's more we're trying to have a conversation about what natural wine is and what it can be, um, how it can be seen through different lenses, and allowing people to kind of draw their own conclusion about what they want from a natural wine. Um, so whether that's you know minimal intervention in the winery, but not caring so much about how the grapes were farmed or insisting on organic and biodynamic farming and you know, being a little bit more lenient in the winery or... It's a really... It's obviously a really touchy subject. So, I mean, the way we've 
we've gone about it at Cult Wine as we've gone. Obviously, there are a lot of ways of looking at the term natural wine. Um, we don't necessarily want to define it. I don't see any benefit to that. But what we say is if we use the words natural wine, like this is what we mean, as opposed to trying to define it really specifically. And I mean, obviously, for us and for Bud Bursts, either organics or biodynamics is, is really at the core of that. And growing grapes is how you, how grapes are grown. For me, anyway, is really key to the meaning of, of that term. And I, I'm assuming it's the same for you guys. Well, yeah, absolutely. We've got two sets of standards for our wines that are shown, and we encourage everybody to have at least one gold standard wine, um, which we see as kind of the guiding direction that we want these wines to be going in um, and understanding that you know not everybody's necessarily going to have uh, a full range of of gold standard wines that being said across both of our tiers of standards um, being verifiably organic or biodynamically grown is essential so there's no uh, there's no give on that Um, that is in terms of how the grapes are grown there is only one right way to do it from from our standards point of view it's a tricky one uh because i'm the only one from the committee kind of being being given the opportunity to address this because i know that even within the committee you know there's some who think that we're far too lenient there's some that think that we're far too strict and so having even within our little group of seven who all really believe in natural wine and champion it uh, there's a lot of discussion and discourse around what exactly is that definition and what exactly is that kind of um, right way of doing it, things. It's a tough one, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And so essentially what we've done is we've, we just drew a line in the sand and we said, okay, this is this is what we're going to ask people to, to meet. This is what we're going to get them to, to do. Um, and then really it's, it is giving consumers, giving the wine lover that opportunity to come in and just go, okay, well, you do it this way and you do it that way. How does that turn up in the glass? Why is that different? And so, like, some of our, like, discussions are going to be around maceration length. How does that impact the SO2 question? How does that impact? We've got the whole orange wine phenomenon uh, where Stephen Wong uh, is going to take us through orange and amber and the history and the more modern. And it, it really, the whole festival is set up for people to get an opportunity to be challenged, um, challenge their thinking, challenge their understanding um even if they're hardcore naturalists themselves you know we want to make sure that there's something there that's going to surprise them or pique their curiosity or want them to kind of dive a little bit deeper challenge the notions behind kind of what is one and what what yeah that sort of thing because that is for me anyway like really quite fundamental to the whole idea of natural wine is that that challenge of the preconceptions of wine in a lot of different ways so obviously there's been a um, particularly in the old world, there's been a resurgence of natural producers who have gone out to champion varieties that are basically extinct. Mm. And in a more, more new world context, there's producers who will put a whole bunch of different varieties together that five, ten years ago you'd never go, hey, those ones, those great varieties should be blended. And so... It is, and also just the very nature of making wine without as much intervention is a real sort of challenge to the wine status quo. So it's really cool that that feeds back into what, what Bud Burst is trying to trying to achieve. Yeah, and, and even um, in our selection of speakers, you know, like Jane Skilton um, coming through as one of our keynote speakers. Is not a fan of natural wine. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that was a 
bold statement. Yeah. I, I know. I mean, I've I've drunk with Jane before. I've I've tasted with Jane. I know she's not not a fan of natural wine, but she. I mean, it's fair to say she's a natural wine skeptic. Well, yeah, yeah, she is absolutely, and that's part of why we want her to come along. Um, so she's going to be on the panel. One of the panels that I'm most excited about. We've got. Um, is natural the enemy of fine wine um, and so we're going to have three people on that panel one is a skeptic one is a hardcore convert and then one kind of sits somewhere in the middle you know and so we essentially what we want to make sure we're doing is giving the opportunity for all sides to be heard so we don't want um, just the kind of dyed in the wool hardcore naturalists coming through you know beating their drum and going this is the way this is the way we want somebody else to come through and be like well what about this or Maybe the way that you're looking at it isn't uh, a complete or whatever. Like, we just want that opportunity for discussion, for challenge. We want that opportunity for Jane to come through and just be like, it's all a bunch of bullshit. What the fuck are you talking about? But then we also want to be able to pour her something that she's going to be completely surprised by and go, okay, actually, this is a good wine. Um, and that seems to be, you know, I did my WCT diploma with Jane um, and I know you know, she's got her opinions, but her opinions always seem to be that if it's a good, well-made wine, then it's a good, well-made wine, no matter what category it sits in. Producers. So at this stage, roughly how many producers are coming? The variety of, obviously, within New Zealand, there are, there are producers, but then also internationally. Um, like, tell us about, like, the variety of the styles of wines and where they come from and um, that sort of thing. Sure. Um, I mean, we're, we're actually looking at about 30 producers coming through, um, and we still actually have a few registrations that are to be confirmed. So how many wines does that mean? Um, ish, ish, ish. Ish is ish, fine. Ish, ish, ish. Somewhere around 100. Cool. Um, so that's part of what we do as well, is we don't allow for a portfolio tasting. Um, we feel that you can have a discussion over three to five wines, that has a common thread, um, but not over, you know, 15, 20, whatever it might be. So if you have a whole heap of wines, you can only show three if you've got a small table or five if you've got a large table. So it's not about trying to show as many wines as humanly possible? No, no, absolutely not. It's not about overconsumption of alcohol. Um, it's no, I, I totally understand. And obviously, yeah. like, legally, um, that's obviously the case. And um, But also from, from like, the, the philosophy of Bud Burst, you want people to think about the wines, not just... Drink a shit time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, you know, like you've been to tastings before where somebody's got 12 wines in front of them and you've kind of, by the time you get to the 12th one, you've completely forgotten what was going on with that first one. Um, and so being able to, to have a conversation and hold a thread across all of the wines. So we'll start talking about New Zealand. We'll reduce them. Oh, sorry, we'll start talking about New Zealand first. So sure. producers from which regions? Um, pretty much all of them. Uh, so we've got Gisborne, Hawke's Bay, Martinborough, uh, we've got Nelson, Marlborough, Wiperah, Central Otago. Um, so, I mean, James Milton has obviously got to be there. Um, we've got Pyramid Valley, Black Estate. Um, we've got Orem, Mount Edward, Ripon, Carrick, Tin Can, Cambridge Road, Halcyon, Supernatural. So there's just uh, Fancrest Estate is another one that's come on. Churton has come on. Uh, we've got Kelly Washington Wines and Saracen Wines. Um, yeah, it's just... It's huge. <laughs> so from that list, like knowing... knowing all, I mean, all, almost all of those producers are um, relatively well. Like, that's a really, both a really wide variety of wines, but also a wide variety of wine styles from some wines that are very traditional, very classical, very refined, mm. through to some, like, really fucked up shit. Um, and I mean that in a positive way, I don't mean that in a negative way. Um, 
Well, it's also, you have kind of, you've got the staples, you know? So, like, James Milton has been in the game for 30-plus years, um, and then you've got Halcyon from Hawks Bay, who they just had their label launch a couple of months ago. Yeah. You know, so you've got... Yeah, I'm trying those wines hopefully this week. I'm really excited. Yeah, so um, are yeah, we. I've known yeah. um, Amy and Ollie for, for a wee while, and it's really exciting to see that they're doing something of their own. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of, um, you know, there's a couple of people in there that are, are missing simply because uh, either their wines aren't going to be bottled in, in time or they're out of the country at that point or they're, you know, they're doing work in their vineyard that's keeping them away. We've got another one. So, like, Escarpment was one that we tried really hard to get them to come on board, but they said they, you know, they're very new to the natural game. They want to kind of have a little bit more time. Because they effectively only really make one wine that could be considered... Um, they've got a couple from their artisanal range that, that would probably fit the bill. Okay. But, yeah, they just said that they wanted to give themselves a little bit more time to get comfortable with it before yeah. they kind of came on board with anything like this, um, which is fine, you know. So there's, yeah, there's quite a few producers that, to me, are, are glaringly obvious misses. Um, but it's just, that's, that's kind of what happens, you know. Sometimes the, the wine just isn't ready in time. So, um, internationally, like how, many, how many different countries are represented internationally? Uh, about five internationals at the moment, but again, we've got a couple of... Five um, countries or five producers? Five countries. So what countries are they? Uh, so we've got Australia, Chile, we've got Italy, France, and Spain. Austria? No, Austria, so Garagao is not going to be showing this year. Um, they don't have the they don't have the wine supply to yeah unfortunately I mean the the 2016 vintage which is their current vintage they made so little wine yeah I mean they made well four if you include Brutal but like they made they made three wines um, instead of the usual sort of ten yeah and instead of being ranging sort of from fifty to one hundred and fifty they're all like over a hundred dollars a bottle so yeah 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 so it just it did not make sense for for them to come along this year yeah. um, but we do have so Simon Kelly who represents Gotta Go um, we do have him coming along as Kelly Washington wines um, so his wife Tamara is part of his portfolio as well uh, so that's another you know relatively. New. New producer, yeah. to, to, especially to the natural game, you know. So um, super excited about having those ones come along and having having Tamara come along as well. So Cool. So we'll change gear now and talk about, like, your, your wine journey because it is, like, an interesting one in that you are one of the most relatively highly qualified wine people I know other than obviously Masters of Wines but but you're one of the most highly qualified wine people I know who until very recently has never had a job in wine yeah, yeah, yeah. so okay. like like what what brought you to wine what what inspired you to sort of um engage in like a a really intensive education around wine both formal education and obviously like less formal education um yeah, sure and yeah yeah, so, um, so I moved to New Zealand in 2010 um, with a Kiwi partner who had friends and family and, you know, a life here. Um, and I walked in uh, and just did not feel at home and had a really hard time kind of adjusting to, to being here. And so I was like, okay, well, I need to get comfortable. I need to understand, you know, that the Wairapa and Martinborough is, you know, kind of interchangeable and what all these words are and how to pronounce them. And so um, I just decided that the easiest way for me to get comfortable here and to start to understand the country and the regions um, was through wine. Uh, so in 2012? 
to like fuck Waikato basically you're like I'm not interested in, in Waikato and Tauranga and places that produce milk and you're like I only really want to know about wine regions because like they're pretty because they're pretty um well no it was just I just needed to pick something you know I needed to pick something to to help me understand um the country and the culture and the geography of the place um and so I just went with wine um it was kind of one of those things where I wanted to be able to hold an intelligent conversation about wine and not just go it's red it's white um it smells like alcohol uh you know I wanted to be able to kind of step beyond that um and so in 2012, I gave myself the challenge of setting up a blog to uh, teach myself about wine, essentially. So it was called Winey Little Bitch originally. and every Which is a great name. Which is a great name. It is a great name. It is not me. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not uh, terribly sassy in that way, so um, the name didn't stick. But for that year, it worked really well. Um, every day, I posted something about wine. Um, it wasn't to build an audience or to set myself up in any way it was just to hold myself accountable so that every day I had to learn something new about wine so I posted it um and so in 2012 I did the WCT level two in 2013 I did level three passing both of them with distinction um and then I think it was in 2014 that I started my diploma a lot of people will have heard about WCT. Yeah. But, um, I mean, talk about sort of the, the difference in the levels because it's actually quite astounding how big a jump there is oh, it's between yeah. each level. It's almost yeah. like, I mean, level one is almost like kindergarten. Yeah, it is. Um, I mean, I was able to skip level one because I had because I could show that, you know, I'd been teaching myself over the past six months through my through the blog, and so I was able to go straight into level two. Um, level two was, I mean... Each step of it I found really challenging, but it was because I was coming from I was coming from no knowledge base whatsoever. I didn't work in wine. I didn't have access to it. Um, I'd been doing, you know, I, I did my level two after six months of kind of playing around, going to a couple of tastings. Yeah, knowing very, very little. Um, and so from two to three... So level two is is kind of um, it's very general. It's very it's quite easy. It's all multiple choice. You don't really have to think uh, independently about the wine. You just need to be able to regurgitate information. Yeah. Level three, you have to start to be a bit more critical. Um, you have to go, okay, how do I connect these dots, or what influences have brought you to this conclusion, whatever. And I mean, level lower the diploma. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, is sort of the wine world's equivalent of a bachelor's degree. Yeah. It's a two-year commitment, and it's huge. Um, and from my class, so there is about maybe 15 of us, and I have people from my class who are still continuing to resit um, their exams because um, they're just struggling to, to get their marks up. Um, so, you know, it's not, it's not easy. Um, it's not an easy undertaking. And it, because it's all self-directed as well, you have to be really motivated to stay on top of um, on top of the information and I think that it was actually a complete benefit uh, and advantage for me to have come into it not working in wine not knowing a lot about wine and not having a whole lot of um, experience or exposure because I didn't kid myself about how much work had to go into it um, I think a lot of people who work in wine kind of go oh you know I, I know this stuff and um, and so maybe they won't push themselves quite as hard uh, whereas you know i yeah, I've got boxes in my garage of notes and, like, my bedroom used to be covered in maps and when I was studying, you know, so I was... I took it pretty seriously. And so, um, basically, through, throughout that time, you were not working in no. the wine world. When did you start with, like, a, a wine job? Um, 
proper job would have actually just been this year. So uh, 2016, uh, doing the Budburst event management would have been my first exposure experience with the wine industry. It was a volunteer role. Um, my first real proper job uh, in wine, I suppose, uh, would have happened this year when I came back from maternity leave. Um, I got a job with Wine Sentience, so working with Stephen Wong um, and being production manager for um, for Wine Sentience events and education. So what does that mean? What what do you, what do you do? For the most part, um, I keep everybody organised and accountable. Aha! Uh-huh. So you're like you're the you're the, you 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 crack the whip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I can be a little bit mean at times, but you know I bring chocolate to the meetings, so hopefully that makes up for it. So, before Wine Sentience, I mean, obviously you were working, like, oh, before, and the baby, and the little Jack-Jack, um, you were working uh, a full-time job, but you were also doing a lot of wine education, and, I mean, we sort of glossed over the fact that that's basically how you became sort of a wine professional, and that you almost created your own role in, in the wine ecosystem here in Wellington. Yeah. So you were hosting um, you were hosting wine tastings both both for groups of people and for private. So like tell us how you got involved into the world of wine tastings. Sure. Uh, and wine education generally. Gen- yeah, I mean wine education is kind of that's the thing that I get the most excited about probably. Because, uh, like, obviously, a wine tasting is is an element of wine education, but wine education is quite distinctive. Because, like, when I put on a tasting, we want people to learn, but I also want to like sell shit. Yeah. Whereas, whereas your way of looking at wine education is you completely remove it from from sales. the sales process, um, which I think is really really good for people um, and for some consumers. But also, it makes it hard because you can't underwrite the cost of putting on a wine tasting with the fact that you can also sell wine. Yeah, so I mean, I um, that that underwriting thing is relatively new for me because, like, so if you look at kind of 2015 through mid-2015 to mid-2016, um, I started running a meetup group called Wine in Wellington where about two or three times a month I would just hold wine tastings around Wellington. Um, you know, I held a lot of them at Salty Pigeon up in Brooklyn and I held a lot of them you know, at cult wine. At cult wine, yeah. And so, what I was doing is, I was studying for my my WCT diploma, um, and needed access to wines, and didn't want to have to shell out for everything on my own. Um, and so, I just brought other people in, um, and I would teach them about the wines so that I could reinforce the knowledge for myself. And it also gave me an opportunity to taste the wines. Um, so you basically got people to pay for wine you needed to drink. Yeah. That's yeah. smart. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and it was just an opportunity for me to kind of play around in a no, no stress kind of situation because, you know, I wasn't really in it for the money or anything. I just needed access to these wines to taste. Um, but I was, so I was working at BioGro at the time, which is an organic certification company. So I was the, um, marketing and communications manager there. Um, I was also a yoga teacher. So I was teaching three yoga classes a week. I was studying for my WCT diploma. I was running the Wine in Wellington meetup group. Um, I was helping to craft the first Budburst Natural Wine Festival, um, and I was going through IVF. So it was a big old year. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, and so, you know, I've always kind of juggled uh, a lot of different experiences. Um, and the, the neat thing, I guess, about the wine is doing the, the Wine in Wellington meetup, it really gave me an opportunity to see how 
people who enjoy wine but aren't students of wine um, see how they interact and see the questions that they might have. Um, and I was able to bring that across into Budburst um, because Budburst really was, it was a lot of serious professionals. It was a lot of people who had made their career in wine. And so I was able to come in. Not and only career, career and livelihoods too, because that's, yeah. that's sort of often co-related, but people who, yeah, have pretty much committed to it. And if it doesn't yeah. work, it doesn't. That yeah, and yeah. so, but their lens, the way that they were seeing the festival and the way that they were seeing wine was very much from the trade point of view. Um, and so it was it was a lot of fun for me to be able to come in and kind of and challenge some of those notions and really try to craft the festival to be for the wine consumer. Um, and, you know, the, it, it ended up in quite a lot of... Um, conflict? No, not conflict. Uh, very energetic discussions. Um, you know, because that's a polite way to say conflict. <laughs> I'm sticking with my polite way of saying conflict then. Um, but yeah, like it was a lot of discussion because people were seeing their livelihood being challenged, um, or the way they, or the way that they viewed things being challenged. And so I was, just, but I was adamant that the festival had to be for the wine lover, not a trade tasting that the general public could just happen to come along to. Yeah. Um, it was really, it was actually really built the, the opposite way around. It was supposed to be for the general wine consumer, the general wine lover, and the trade were welcome to come along. Um, and enjoy wine as wine lovers. Yeah, exactly. Like yeah. anyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Perfect. Um, so just as we wind up, I mean, I think you should give, give Bud Burst like your, your little plug. So tell us again when it is, how it is, how you can buy tickets, all that jazz. Awesome. Okay, so Budburst, yep, Budburst Natural Wine Festival happening Sunday, the 11th of November. Um, it's running from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, Wellington Waterfront, so across the Boat Shed and Rowing Club. Um, you can get tickets at budburst.nz. Um, it's $50 at the moment. Uh, it'll be $60 on the day. So, so buy your tickets now. Buy folks. your tickets now, yes. Um, and you do need to have a festival ticket to come along to any of our education discussions. Um, so we've got five of them throughout the day. What are they? Uh, what are they? So we've got uh, we've got the Orange Wine Phenomenon. We've got a session on Amphora. Um, the Amphora session is actually happening at 10.30 in the morning, so it's happening pre-festival um, because so many of our producers were keen to come along that we pushed it to the start of the day to make sure that they could actually be there. So that's kind of like a geeky, geekier one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Carry on, carry on, it'll carry definitely on. be a geekier one. We've got maceration lengths of red wine. Um, so again, a little bit of a geeky one. Is natural the enemy of fine wine, which is going to be so exciting. Um, and the big SO2 question to wrap up the day. So we put the big SO2 question at the end of the day very specifically so that, um, you know, you've spent the whole day walking around the festival, talking to people, getting opinions, um, and then you can actually just sit down and have a proper think about it without without being preached to. Um but yeah, so get your festival tickets, get your discussion sessions, um, discussion tickets, education tickets. Um, and it's not all geekery if you just want to come drink some wine, listen to some music, eat some good food. That's okay too. Yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're planning for every eventuality of Wellington weather, so it doesn't matter, you know, come rain, come shine, whatever. 
it might be the festival's happening and it's going to be fucking awesome. Okay, so you have been listening to Alyssa Jordan, who is the um, organiser of Budburst, a natural wine festival here in Wellington. Um, you are listening to the Cultcast, where we talk to wine lovers, wine slingers, wine makers, and wine growers. Use the code Cultcast, that's Cultcast with two C's, to get 10% off your next purchase at cultwine.co.nz. Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, you're very welcome.